Hi everyone, Future Teddy here. Uh, before we start the podcast this week, I just wanted to let everyone know we recorded this episode before we got the news that Quibi would be shutting down. So uh, <laughs> all of this may be very moot quite soon. So if any of the shows that we discuss on this episode sound interesting to you, I would check them out soon because who knows how long they'll be around. Uh, R.I.P. Quibi 2020 to 2020. And with that, uh, on with the show. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I am Teddy. And I am Matt. And I want to talk about Quibi this week. Matt, do you want to talk about Quibi? Well, you know, I don't know if the I, want is a strong word, but like, sure, you know, I'm here. <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about Quibi. That's what we're doing this week. We sort of teased it last week. We're talking about Quibi. Um, and just like from from the bat, let me say that if the audio quality of this episode is a little subpar, uh, we apologize for that. Our producer, Craig, has apparently taken the day off. And, he didn't uh, let us know. Um, we're we're just you know we have the uh, the sickness uh, slips for a reason, Craig. You're supposed yeah. to file that with HR. Um, Maybe Craig is waiting on a COVID test. It could be. I if that is the case, then best wishes to producer Craig. Um, we don't know if bears can get the coronavirus, but. Uh, um, we're all pulling for you. There was like a thing the other day in the news where a bunch of uh, what animal? It was um oh, it was a bunch of minks died because they got uh, coronavirus. Minks? Yeah. Oh no. So um, <laughs> if minks can Yikes. get it, if cats and dogs can get it, I suspect the bears are vulnerable. You know, the um, bears. The bears. Yeah. So yes, um, we're we're sort of flying by the seat of our pants today, but we're here to discuss Quibi yeah. as promised. That's what we're doing. Um, for those not it, also, if you hear some uh, ghostly wailings, it just appears that some sort of uh, international incident is taking place around Matt's apartment. Hey, come on, <laughs> we're not really <laughs> we're not really sure what's going on. It's a, I um, live in a city and it, there's like <laughs> there's a fire department nearby and like a hospital not far i hear things you know and there's also a pandemic so i hear a lot of sirens because of the hospital nearby so. all right we're just saying we're, this might not be the most soothing episode to listen to but guess what that's what quibi's all about all right it, it, <laughs> there's me? never been a more <laughs> there's never been a more fitting time to talk about quibi than with all this crap going on um but yes, for those unfamiliar with the concept of Quibi, um, the name stands for Quick Bites, which is what you will get if you I sign up for Quibi. Um, that is news to me. I literally had no <laughs> that idea. Is, that's that what that it means. It's Quibi Quick Bites. So I we should be calling not. it Quibi. 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 Yes. Quibi. Because it's it's the, Quick Bites. We shouldn't say Quibi. Qu- it's not Quick be- Beats. <laughs> A quibi steak. A quibi. Um, oh. <laughs> um. That sounds disgusting. Um, but yes, the, the the basic idea of this streaming service that everyone's been talking about sure. is that, um, not in the best of terms, but okay, um, 
is that it, all the episodes of these shows are under 10 minutes. So you like watch them on your phone while you're like waiting for a bus or waiting to get a root canal or something. Uh, okay. But, <laughs> I'm often but, waiting to get a root canal. So for all of those times, um, I'll be good. But the idea is it's like you just watch them on your phone when you got a little downtime. It's not like some long thing. But really, I mean, I don't know. I There's already YouTube. There's already podcasts. When I'm on my phone, like, I want to be using my phone, not, like, watching a video on there. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. We don't really buy into the whole Quibi concept, but we decided to give it a try to see what kind of content they have on there and let people know what they can look forward to if they sign up for Quibi. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, the, the concept is weird to me. I, you know, I can just doom scroll Twitter in my downtime. I don't need... I don't, That's what I do for fun. I don't need to see <laughs> things. Like, I don't need to view videos in my downtime. You know, like... I, that's just not what I see enough videos. I watch enough things. Um, I don't need to fill my non watching things time with more things. Um, well, and personally, I like to, you know, watch stuff on TV while looking at my phone to, you know, doom scroll Twitter for another. Yeah, stuff like that. that's but another this... thing. It, it really takes over my phone. And so, like, I don't want that. Like. And I guess the concept was like when you're on the go, but I can't think of a worse time to be rolling out an on the go video watching service <laughs> than like During right now. Um, yeah. You know, like maybe if I were getting on a subway train every day still, then, you know, that'd be a thing I would do. But also when I'm on the subway, I don't know, I can't stream things like I, I don't have service. So what do you mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's the worst time to try to stream video. So it's really like I don't know who or what this is for but here it is this is very tw this is like the 2020 of streaming services we don't know why we're here but we are um and originally when this first launched there wasn't even a way to watch this on your tv you had to watch it on your phone which is like the the death knell for anyone under like 40 that you would have to like tie up your phone in order to watch stuff eventually they made it so you could chromecast it which is kind of nice if you have a chromecast which fortunately i do but you can't like they don't have it on roku or amazon fire or something you can't watch it on your tv you still have to use your phone to cast it which is kind of weird but yeah you know we can get it we can get into the the problems with the format all we want let's talk about the content sure there is there is some good content on here, some stuff worth watching. Um, again, we'll talk about whether it's actually worth paying for a subscription to this. But guess what? With Quibi, you can get a two-week free trial without giving them either your credit card information or your phone. So not only does that mean like the most one of the longer free trials you get for streaming services, and also one of the most low uh, commitment in terms of you not even having to give them your information. Right. But also, if you have another email address, you can just sign up for another two-week free trial. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> As I did. So God. our original concept for this episode was that we were just going to watch both sign up for it, watch as much as we could in two weeks, and then recap what we did. But because... 
we found out the whole free trial uh, cascading chain trick, we we realized you could just keep watching this forever without ever paying for it. So I, <laughs> I've had two free trials, and then I got a six-month trial through T-Mobile. So, I mean, who knows if they're ever going to cut me off. You're, you we'll just see. got it now. You've got Quibi. Yeah, for, for, I've for... just got free Quibi. I don't know. But as I said, yes, let's get into the content. Okay. So the first show that attracted both of us was, of course, a horror show, naturally. Of course. Um, 50 States of Fright, which is, (laughs) yes, yes, just in time for the Halloween season. Uh, The concept behind this one is that there's a different horror story for each one of the 50 states in the United States. Yeah, it's going to, much like Sufjan Stevens, I don't think this will work (laughs) out for anybody involved. Yeah, who knows if we're ever going to see all 50. I think we've seen, like, the second season just released, the second season, and I guess they've covered, like, somewhere between 10 to 12 of them so far, so they've got a ways to go. I don't know if this is still going to be around in, like, 2025, so yeah, they we'll def- see. They've covered, like, one, two, three, it, it's not even 10. Really? They've done eight eight even... states because some of them oh. are, are are like three episode arcs to cover a right. single state. So like, you know. So yeah, so this is but the the first show that we both started watching and right off the bat we noticed this that um it's not like there's one episode per state or per story or whatever. It's like you watch like three different little 10 minute episodes to get the whole story arc for like Oregon or Washington or whatever it is. So it's basically like watching like a half hour TV show, except it breaks it up in 10 minute segments, which you could do yourself anyway. (laughs) So I don't really, (laughs) I don't know why it has to be on Quibi. It's a good show. Um, I always like horror anthologies. I feel like the genre really lends itself to this sort of thing where it's just like short form horror stories that all have like sort of a central theme, but they all do different things. Um, they, they, one of the things that I think is really cool about this is that they have a lot of different writers and directors working on these separate little stories. And, you know, obviously they, they each have their own cast. They like some of there are some relatively well-known actors and actresses in these. And uh, for, uh, Sam Raimi, who produces the whole thing, also uh, directed the first story, uh, <laughs> The Golden Arm. It's so, a very a silly one. Um, <laughs> that is a, where is my golden arm? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The first season had some big names. Um, so... Full disclosure, I haven't seen the second season. Um, but the first season definitely had some big big ones. Like, there were, you know, some big, big people that we all know. Like, your Asa Butterfield and, you know, um, Ming-Na Wen was in one of the, the arcs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Sam Raimi, as we discussed in the last episode, uh, is a favorite of ours. So we were excited to see him do something here. Sure. Um, his installment also stars uh rachel brosnahan mm-hmm. travis fimmel 
Um, mm-hmm. James Ransone was in the Oregon episode. Yes, um, uh, along with Emily Hampshire, who we know from Schitt's Creek. Um, right. So that, you know, it's nice. Um, also, I'm really enjoying the way you say Oregon. Um, Oregon? Or Oregon? Oregon? Origami? You're, yeah, I keep thinking you're going to say origami. Um, Oregon? Uh, Oregon? Um, I don't know. Oh, I, I have Oregon? not been there. Um, I don't know how the Originios pronounce it, but... Originios. Um, <laughs> I just say Oregon. I don't know. I thought that was right. Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. yes. Oregon. It's kind of Madam, like- Madam's Oregon. I don't know. Um, it's it's just a. I'm just noting um, that that's you know a thing. Um, in the, so in the new season, since you haven't gotten around to that or might not get around to it, um, I've only watched a couple of those episodes. But uh, the Washington episode is very good and has Lulu Wilson, who is a favorite of the pod, nice. and Rory Culkin in it. Nice. Wow. That's yeah, quite some uh, top notch talent there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, this one was my favorite, I think, um, and it, it was obviously going to be my favorite. I think that, like, for both of us, that was obviously going to be the best choice. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 50 Shades of Fright, good stuff, special if you like horror. I mean, even if you're not the biggest horror fan, it's it's like a low barrier to entry horror. You know, you don't have to watch a whole movie. You can get a little halloween frights out of watching something like this frights if you're if you're afraid of things like golden arms then you'll be really scared and um <laughs> i am terrified of golden arms specifically golden <laughs> golden specifically. arms silver arms don't do it for me but a golden arm a golden arm. terrifying really Just really absolutely. scary stuff there i think that they're all kind of fun i like like the 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 state-centric flavor to each one you know um right you know they're, they're riffing on certain things about each state although i don't really know what the golden arm has to do with michigan i'm not gonna lie to you um but that's okay it, the, the others are definitely you know i can see like the the ball of twine in kansas that's a very specific thing right. um the the taxidermy theme to the oregon episode is very on brand for oregon so you know um like the the Florida one with like the the brujeria or the yeah, yeah. Uh, hoodoo or whatever yeah uh, that was very uh, of the area right that right was, uh, I like it. it it they all have like sort of a local flavor to them um, I I I wish Iowa had had more corn involved but mm-hmm. uh, it was it was also pretty good yeah lots of good stuff the Minnesota one was quite fun with like it's weird backwoods cults and stuff yeah that's a real one uh the place sorry the the cult is not i don't think the cult is real but um <laughs> um that great the, the island, island is a real place the haunted island yeah, um, it's like i you know it was a portal to hell i don't know what i mean i would buy that minnesota <laughs> contains a portal to hell it personally but you know i don't know it's not for me to decide i've never actually been to minnesota i just assume that if anywhere in the country has a portal to hell Minnesota's as good a bet as any. Um. I have, I've, I've been once. Uh, it's pretty nice, but uh, it's got a lot of lakes, and who knows what you can find at the bottom of those? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe a portal, portal to hell. Maybe a, a European warrior cult. Who knows? Um, yeah, you never yeah. know. So, the best part I, I like is when you find out that the people who seemed evil and scary the whole time were actually the ones who were right all along. 
Yeah, and uh, that that we saw in one of these episodes. But yes, uh, Fifty States of Fright, great show. I'd recommend checking that out if you like horror. And it's um, easy because you can do it for free by just giving them yeah. an email address. Let them into your email. They'll send you strange emails like "You ghosted us. Now we're ghosting you." Yeah, but it's not many. Like they, I, they don't really overdo it. They're not really working very hard to get me to return after my trial. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not a lot. Oh yeah, because I'm still signed up, so I'm still getting the emails. But what is what is the experience of a? No, I still get emails. Like... Um, okay. So like, I got that "You ghosted us" thing. Now you got it before me. Um, but you know. <laughs> I have been getting them, but it's like only like, you know, like maybe once a week or so that I get emails from them. Um, as soon as I saw you ghosted us, I was like, God friended me. God, God friended me. <laughs> um, I I like, I mean, it's not as much as like, like I get more from Hulu and Netflix. Um, you know, Netflix emails me all the time. It's like, we added a show we think you might like. And it'll be like some fucking emily in paris or wherever she is right now and i don't want that um i netflix (laughs) the netflix notifications are ridiculous like they'll be like new on netflix and it'll be like something i watched like two days ago but like yeah i know i'm aware yeah they do that for me too and they there's never whenever it's something they think i might like it never is like and it's very funny because like if i log in like the suggestions are kind of fine but like the things they email me about are never the things that would ever show up in my suggestions, and they are not right. for me. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a disconnect between the actual recommendation system and the stuff that they'll send you emails about. Because I've gotten some pretty weird emails where I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch that. Right. So, But know. yeah, the, the Quibi emails, uh, I mean... Part of this is like Quibi has not the most content, so they I really feel like they don't get a very good sense of what you're interested in. So they'll just email you about whatever they have that sure, just came yeah. out. Um, but, you know, it's not the most annoying stuff. Anyway, let's get down to the only other show that we both watched, um, The Fugitive. Partially. Yes. <laughs> you didn't finish this one. No. No, no. <laughs> so I... I don't know how we can discuss this one properly, but anyway, it's, um, you know, it's, it's the movie with Harrison Ford, the fugitive, the 1970s TV series. It's all, it's another retelling of that story. Um, this time it's like a guy who went to jail once for like a DUI that it later turns out might not have really been his fault. Sure. Um, And then, like, he is at the scene of this big uh, subway bombing, and they see him on the... um, They see him on the surveillance tape, and they're, like, because this drunk driving thing was apparently, like, a huge story that, like, everyone in the area knows about. They're like, oh, it's that guy. He must have been the one to do it, which I like. I don't know why, like, previously having gone to prison for drunk driving would, like, make you a terrorist, but... Right, or why that would be, like, a widely known news story. Like, people get DUIs <laughs> all the time. Um, Here, in the world of this show, and that's where one of the big problems starts, is, like, in the world of this show, anyone who's a criminal is, like, instantly, possibly a terrorist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a really big leap to make. But 
Yeah, so like they instantly assume that this guy is guilty, and then so Kiefer Sutherland and his band of merry dumbasses decide to go off and like try to hunt this guy down. Meanwhile, he's trying to gather the evidence that will uh, exculpate him. Right. And in addition, like early on, somehow in order to raise the stakes, they're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to arrest him. We have to shoot him on sight for some reason. God. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense. It's um, so ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What why don't you what did you think of the the few episodes that you watched? It wasn't that many. I just kind of couldn't get. I, so full disclosure, I watched it because I knew Kiefer Sutherland. Um yeah. And I'm a I was a big 24 fan. I've seen 24 the entire series like multiple times. Um, right. So this does have kind of a 24 vibe, especially because it's got like a ticking clock feeling to it. Yeah, and like I mean, it's you know L.A. That's 24's like stomping ground. Kiefer Sutherland, same thing. Like so, like you know that's why I watched it. But it was just kind of like. I mean, I like 24 because it's ridiculous. It, you know, the whole concept is like the amount of things that happen in one 24 hour day is pretty absurd. But like, it, this was just like, I, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know. I just was not, I was not invested. I never got hooked. I would be like, okay, this is silly. And I was like, I want to move on from this, you know? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it just seemed, I don't know. I did not buy the premise of the world. So <laughs> like the, right. with that basic problem, I just couldn't get into it. It just, uh, it seemed like one of those movies. Well, I get, I'm calling it a movie. It's unclear what it is. I'd say when you add it all up, it's about a feature length. So it's kind of like watching a movie divided into 10 minute segments. Right. It's kind of weird. Like, but anyway, the gist of this show has like some really iffy politics about it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. everyone, everyone who's a criminal is a potential terrorist. Um, they have like the journalist character who's like trying to find out information and uses all these sleazy tactics to get it, and then in the end she gets like, like she's like the new young reporter using like social media and stuff to find stuff out. Yeah. And then at the end, she gets told off by the old guard, like, oh, you have to do things the right way. You're fired. And it's just like, what? Who wrote this? Somebody with like a real axe to grind wrote this entire thing. Yeah. Somebody who has like a <laughs> real problem with like, I mean, there are problems with journalism in the industry right now, but it's never the right. problems that yeah. these things think are the problems. Um, you know, and so it's like this, like very clearly, like a sort of bias against like contemporary journalism, right? And like people who like really rely on social media in general to do their reporting and to to publicize their reporting. And I don't really understand that issue because social media has definitely given us all more access to the news, for better or for worse. Quite right. frankly, for yeah. worse. Um, but like, yeah. It, it, it is pretty. I mean, it's not subtle from what I've saw. From what I saw, I did not finish. Again, I did not finish it. But I, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to agree with the premise that anybody who's a at all a criminal might be a terrorist. I do think we're supposed to be critical of that, right? Um, right. So, but like that still. I mean, that doesn't mean you know. <laughs> it is. It is ridiculous that this exists in a world in which that's like a reasonable thing for the cops to believe, right? Um, and also, 
there's a scene. I guess Kiefer Sutherland is like the head of this LAPD task force. And he, of course, comes to blows with the FBI when they want to come in and do something. And he like punches the head of the FBI, uh, whatever FBI investigation that comes to this, it, it, like right in the face. And he's like, you just cost yourself your pension. And I'm like, this is just so ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody behaves like this. No, absolutely <laughs> he's like, not. I, I will not let you take over this investigation. I'm going to punch you in the face instead. That will solve all my problems. <laughs> and uh, it's like the whole thing is like, well, I, in... I do think part of what they're trying to say with the since with the journalism thing is that like journalism has become too sensationalistic or whatever. But this entire show is extremely sensationalistic. Like, oh yeah, everything absolutely. is amped up to its most ridiculous possible conclusion. Every character is like a really over the top caricature, and. Because of like, and this is something that I notice about a lot of the other Quibi shows as well. Because of like the ten minute format, they sort of feel like each ten minute segment has to end on like some big cliffhanger and has to have like some huge thing happen in it. So if you're watching through like multiple episodes of this, it creates a really weird sense of pacing where it's like every 10 minutes is like, Oh my God, what's going on? And then it's like, okay, next episode, everything's chilled out again. Like what is go the watching this through? Like I didn't watch the whole show through, but I I'd say I watched it in like two sittings is like a really weird experience. I've never seen any form of television or movie that has this sense of pacing. It's so weird. Yeah, I so I what I watched I only did in one sitting, but like with 50 States of Fright, I did it like all like the first season I did all at one time basically. So like um but I feel the same way. The pacing felt really weird. And I think that's one of the shortcomings of, you know, the the format, you know, that's just what the format is. They want each thing to feel like a self-contained episode. Yeah. It doesn't always work. And you know, it's not, I don't know that every episode needs to have like a big ending. Like, I mean, you wouldn't do that with a TV show. Like, you know, like not, if you're watching a standard drama thriller TV show, it's not like every episode is this huge reveal at the end or like this huge shock or like this, like what's going to happen next sort of ending. Sometimes episodes just end like and have a very normal you know denouement process like (laughs) um right and instead you know if you try to make everything feel like a big ending i mean it's also exhausting like it's emotionally draining to watch that you know every six minutes like i don't need to see (laughs) that like (laughs) yeah and, and that's something worth mentioning too is that like while we said like they're all under 10 minutes like in in many cases, that means the episode is only like six minutes long. They most of them verge between like six to eight minutes. Right. Sometimes they'll sometimes they'll go up to nine fifty nine. There's a couple shows I watched where I had several nine fifty nine episodes in a row. I was like, man, they're really stretching the format here. But the, there are the, many the where the whole it's thing like, is a stretch of the format. There is no yeah. there is no <laughs> se- series on here that does not stretch the format. I think. Yeah. Um, so many of these shows, it like just feels like filmmakers just struggling to work within this weird framework that the platform has given them. And <laughs> I don't know if I can entirely blame that on them. Like, I don't think I would take anyone's like quibby series as a 
um, a good exemplar of their actual talent to make other film or television. Right. But it does seem like in many cases, the format is a hindrance rather than a aid in their storytelling. Completely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> the format, nobody is done any favors by this format. You know, this is why you get care like things like this show where the characters feel like caricatures. Like it's hard not to caricature people when you're having to like present their entire identity in a five minute episode. Like you have to like sell who they are. Um, even if they appear in every episode, you kind of have to sell who they are functionally quickly in a very short amount of time. Like, so it's just kind of like, I don't know what word. I don't, I just like, I, I, throughout my quibi experience, <laughs> I was, uh, I just like, can't get over how this is not a helpful format. It doesn't seem conducive to good storytelling. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not some like, I don't know, like complaining about it as like a it's too newfangled format thing makes me sound like the show that we're talking about complaining about <laughs> journalists. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm like this like old man, like screaming about people on his lawn or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, but like it is it does seem like we don't all like not every I don't know, like there are plenty of ways to tell a story and I'm not saying we can't think of new ways, but maybe the answer isn't let's make it shorter. Like that's not, you know, like, and it's also seems like a pretty cynical, like, well, the human attention span is such that we should do this like (laughs) shorter. Like, and it's sort of like, that's like not necessarily true. Maybe just like make better long form storytelling. Like, you know, (laughs) uh, there are ways like people will sit and binge, you know, 14 episodes of an, of a 60 minute drama in one day and so like don't tell me that people don't have attention spans like exactly um, you just have to pace it properly right um and this this sort of thing i mean as we're talking about with how everything has to end with a cliffhanger like even though you can blitz through one of these shows pretty quickly it's an exhausting experience (laughs) like every episode is like oh oh okay got out of that one whoa uh." yeah it's it's just crazy i don't know fugitive was Certainly one of my least favorite of the shows that I watched here, which and part of that was also because you could feel like they wanted this to be like one of their big anchors. Absolutely. Like they poured a lot of money into this one. They had the fugitive property. The special effects in this are really big and like quite good. Yeah. I'd say if there's one thing that I can say about this show, it's that special effects are very good. They have some really big explosions and stuff. Um I don't, like the acting isn't horrible. I mean, I feel like the actors had a had their work cut out for them here, but like trying to sell this story in little ten minute increments. But they weren't bad, and they had some pretty big names in there. Uh, but yeah, I, this was not one of my favorites, uh, and partially because it was just such a letdown from like the big concept. Um, the one thing I would say that it benefited from the format in is that like. This sort of thing does benefit from kind of like a ticking clock mentality. Um, and that, you know, sort of fits with somebody on the run from the cops. Yes. Um, but I think that it was much better done in a very similar but different show, The Most Dangerous Game. And um, I think this is the show that I would most recommend to anybody interested in what Quibi has to offer. Uh, I th- this was my favorite show besides the horror movies, um, and it I feel like it has a broader appeal, probably. 
Um, most people are probably familiar with the concept of the most dangerous game. It's like, you know, people, rich people who are paying to hunt the most dangerous game of all, man. And, um, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why Enjoy. that's making me laugh. <laughs> um, but, um, this one was kind of interesting because, you know, like the original story is set on an island. I feel like every adaptation I've seen of this has been like set in some sort of remote location. This one is set in Detroit. So it's like he's in a city getting hunted by all these people, but he has to like avoid them while also keeping the whole game a secret. Cause if like, if someone, if the whole thing gets revealed, if he like tells the cops or tells some bystander, then like the whole deal's off. He loses all the money that he's been offered, whatever. Um, okay. And, I haven't seen this one. So, so it's, it's a ridiculous it. premise. It's, it's and it like, you have to sort of like, uh, you have to sort of get on board with the fact that it's going to be ridiculous. But uh, and the first few episodes are kind of rough as well, because as we've mentioned, you have to like build these characters backstories really quickly. You have to like set up the whole situation and the setting and their characters and their motivations and what they're going to be doing throughout the rest of the thing. And you have to do all that in like the first one or two episodes and still have those episodes have their own little arc because otherwise it doesn't work as a 10 minute show. So I feel like maybe this would have worked better as like an actual movie. It would have been interesting to see just an actual movie of this, an urban version of the most dangerous game, but whatever. Um, I do think in some ways it did benefit from the uh the format because once the thing actually gets started there's like an hourly thing like every hour he gets paid progressively more money Mm -hmm. and so each once you get into the show like each episode is an hour in the time of the show so you get to see things progressively ratchet up as he's trying to avoid these assassins and like he gets into more scrapes and gets out of them and it's like I don't know, nothing like really that amazing happens throughout it, but it's a fun watch and it's exciting and um they've got good people acting in it. They've got Christoph Waltz. They do have they've Christoph got, got a Hemsworth. Uh, they've got the lesser they Hemsworth. Got um, <laughs> they've got one of the Hemsworths. Uh it's not it's not Chris or They've got Charlie Swan from Twilight. Um, <laughs> a big, big excitement for me. I didn't realize he was in it. Now I might actually go back and watch it. Um, I, I, I recommend it. I, this is one of the few shows that I would actually recommend people checking out. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And I, I do think it actually sort of fit the format. Again, it might have been better if it wasn't squeezed into this format. But it's probably the best... Uh, maybe the second or third best example that they have of like one that actually fits the format. Okay, so if it's the second or third best, what are the two that beat it? I I assume one of them is Fifty States of Fright, and then oh, actually, I I don't hmm, I don't know. Well, let me mention one that I think was probably the most fitting to the format, although it uh it's not my favorite show on there. Uh, okay, interesting. Fuck, I forgot to write this one down. It's called Wireless uh, with Ty Sheridan and Andy lead. McDowell. What a cast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's got, it's got an all right cast. Um, this one is interesting in that not only does it benefit from uh, the 10-minute format, it actually is the only show they have on there that benefits from the fact that you can watch it on your phone because they actually nail the second screen format in here. Um, this is the only show that I actually watched on my phone. Every other one I watched on the Chromecast. But this one you pretty God. much have to watch on your phone because you can either watch it vertically. Uh, wait, you can either watch it horizontally where you see like the actual film and you see like the characters or whatever, whatever's going on in the environment. But if you rotate your phone vertically, you see what's going on on the main character's phone. Oh. Which is a really cool feature and ends up being pretty important for uh, the show. So the basic premise of this show is like there's this uh, young like 20-year-old guy driving back to his college for New Year's Eve um, and he gets like stuck in a snowstorm and he gets stranded. And he's like, it's about him trying to get to safety before his phone dies. And that's, that's why the title is wireless. It's all about his phone. He's like a phone addict, which is a big thing throughout it. He's like always on his phone, which is part of why he gets uh, stuck is because he's like looking at his phone, like crashes his car. There's like a real deep irony in a show that is like set on a platform that is geared towards watching on your phone. Like, creating a character who's negative like who's obsessed with their phone is like a negative like there's like a exactly exactly i wonder if like do you think it's like i don't think they even realize like i don't think it's intentional like (laughs) maybe not maybe not like uh, i feel like the whole show like the the whole point is like maybe you should put down your phone once in a while live life but actually you should watch these shows on your phone um yeah that is kind of funny Overall, the story is not, like, amazing. I thought it had more potential when I heard about it originally. But a big problem with it is that, like, the main character isn't really very likable. And a lot of the problems he gets himself into are entirely his own fault. Like like I said, he crashes his car because he's on his phone. But, like, multiple times he has the opportunity to, like, call for help. But he doesn't do it because he's, like, he was driving his dad's car. He doesn't want to get caught. And he's like, he's drunk driving throughout this whole thing. And it's, it's like he, 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 it's kind of a problem because like a lot of the story is told through like his interactions with other people on the phone. But the entire time you're like, he should really just be calling the cops and telling them to come get him because he's stranded on some fucking mountainside in his car in a blizzard. Well, to be fair, um, (laughs) That's the problem with a lot of things, is people could just call the cops. Um, also, I guess, like, Ty Sheridan, just, like, maybe he just must be an unlikable guy. I'm sorry, Ty. But, like, <laughs> you've, like, all of his characters, like, Ready Player One and fucking when he was in the X-Men movies, like, why can't he just be a likable dude? Like, maybe he just can't do it. Um, and this is coming from, so I like just- Scott Summers a lot. Everyone. <laughs> Permanently cast as a fuckboy. Yeah, he's that's just, like, who he is. Um... So, you know, poor guy. Like, he actually probably is really nice and just played that role really well as Scott Summers and has never been allowed to do anything since. Um, you know, that's too bad for him. Uh, but may Or maybe he just is, like, an uh, a really intolerable fuckboy. Uh, I don't know. 
Um, Who knows? Ty Sheridan? The character, <laughs> the character in this show is definitely a fuckboy. Sure. He's a college um, student. Yeah. So Which college I mean, does he go to? Does he go to? Uh, I think he goes to uh, UC Boulder. UC Boulder. I've been there. Yeah. Um. Um. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know. The format is really cool. That was my favorite part. And it's like, it doesn't, like, tell you when to turn the screen or anything. You just have to figure that out on yourself. Sure. Um, That's kind of fun. You can I like that. You can sort of figure out when you see him just typing on, your, typing on his phone. You're like, oh, time to rotate the screen, see what he's doing. Um, but mostly they let you do whatever you want and that's pretty cool. Um, you get to see him use Instagram and, uh, yeah, like play music and, uh, imagine you're stranded and you just like play music. Like you're stranded (laughs) in a blizzard and he goes on (laughs) Spotify. He goes on Tinder too. That's the funniest part. He's like using Tinder in the snowstorm. Oh my God. Um, Um, but (laughs) But yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. You get to see him FaceTime with people back at college and with his parents and stuff. And uh, it, it's good. Um, it's not the most amazing show. I especially Is was Andy like McDowell, not his mom. thrilled by the ending. I think so. Okay. I, I didn't look up the cast beforehand, but I think so. Okay. They're, this like the only older woman in this. Like everyone else is like young kids so yeah she, so. she's like in her 60s or something probably so right. yeah um, <laughs> um so yeah it's like it's not like a masterpiece but it's kind of an interesting thing that i think could only exist on this platform so uh for that i will say it's worth checking out that's kind of cool i like i like so i like the concept of something actually using both the format and like the mobile format like bo- both the like structural sort of storytelling format and also the the technical format i like that yeah i just yeah, like that's interesting sprayed saliva everywhere um <laughs> <laughs> oh better watch out for that uh don't be don't be spreading coronavirus yeah i'm gonna spread yeah. it to myself in my one bedroom <laughs> in my living alone apartment here um <laughs> a couple other shows that i watched um that were just you know decent quality shows that maybe could have existed somewhere else, but weren't terrible for the platform. Uh, the Stranger, mm, I do want which to was watch that. Yeah, it's another. It's a kind of a horror thriller show, and it's really the only thing they have that's like a horror long form uh, show. In that, like the whole show is just one story. Um, and it's kind of it's it's pretty interesting. It's about like a a girl who's new to L.A. Sorry, what do you mean that it's she, the only one that's like like that? That's like the whole show is one story. Well, it's the only horror one. Oh, the only horror like one. That. Sorry, I was like, isn't yeah. isn't wireless like that? I mean, yeah, I, yeah there's I, a, there's a couple. There's many other ones, but it's the only one that really like I feel like is firmly a horror genre. Sure. Okay. Um, and this one it's like it's a like a young woman who's just moved to L.A. Uh, and she picks up, she's, she's driving for Uber and she picks up like this really weird passenger. And then they have like, there's this whole thing throughout the whole night that I can't really get into too much without spoiling anything, but it's, it's a typical like, oh, you run into like some creepy guy who ends up being a much bigger problem than you anticipated. It's Micah Monroe, right? That's, that's the one with her in it. Yeah, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Dane DeHaan is the creepy Ooh. dude. Uh, Dane so. DeHaan is a creepy dude. Sorry, Dane. <laughs> He's always a creepy dude. He's really uh, good at that. Just, it's his look. He, it's, just, his, it's like, 
I'm sorry, his look just screams like I'm a like a preppy rich white boy who like was never told no growing up and so now i will like cause terror to everyone i meet like that's his look and um that is basically his typecast yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah he he's great in it she's great in it there like there's pretty solid acting all around in it um the format is works pretty well the way they work it out is that like each episode is a different hour through this night that keeps progressing so things sort of amp up and it actually doesn't feel too unnatural when they try to do like kind of a big moment in each show um you know it's it feels a little artificial but the whole thing feels like a cohesive piece that actually has something interesting to say i thought it it, and it was entertaining it was scary at moments and like i said acting and the like the directing and everything else was quite good okay cool well i definitely want to watch that maybe i'll um i have a couple burner email addresses maybe i'll sign up again yeah and that one uh that one is sort of notable in that they premiered it at a drive-in in in la oh right i remember that yeah okay they showed all episodes of it back to back so it's and people were like oh okay so you could have just made this a movie (laughs) right (laughs) it does it does also just work as a movie i feel Um, like most of them do i just which is both bad and good because it's like it's it's good because it works and but on the other hand it's like why do you need this platform (laughs) right yeah i mean maybe but i guess i wonder how much of it has to do with like where these places could get distributed or get money or whatever could be yeah it's unusual um okay so another another quality like sort of drama that i saw this one was more of the sci-fi side uh don't look deeper which is about a, a world in the near future where there's like robots and artificial intelligence and this is another one where it's hard not to give away some twists but um i'll just say that i thought going into this that this was going to be like some sort of ya teen type thing where like somebody's the chosen one and stuff like that did you say ya ended- did you say ya did you say ya I said we discussed this before. It's ya, y a. I just say y a. Young, young <laughs> adult. It's pronounced ya. I'm telling you. That's so interesting. Okay, whatever. But you know what I'm. You know the kind of things I'm talking about, like the Maze Runner, like Divergent stuff like yeah. that. Oh yes, I know it what y a is. I want to be okay. clear. I just I. It, yeah. You're the only person I know who says ya. <laughs> Well, that's what my mom calls it. And She's you, a librarian, and when you so say I trust it, her. I think of oh, I think I think now I'm having, I think I do remember us having this conversation. Was I like we drunk? Was I was I drunk when we had this talk? Uh, I seem to recall you were on this podcast, so you probably were. I was going to say that doesn't mean no. That means like that means probably yes, I was. That means uh, pro- more likely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yes, anyway, so I thought it was going to be going that way, and it went kind of a different way that I thought was really good, and it ended up, like, it wasn't excellent the whole way through. It had some missteps, but overall, I thought it was it was really cool. It was a fun sci-fi kind of thing that went in some unexpected directions. It had some great acting in it, 
and it was just fun all the way through. I really, I, I enjoyed this one. This was a, this was one of my more unexpected ones because this was at the point where I'd like, I'd already watched Fifty States of Fright and Most Dangerous Game and The Stranger. I was like, what else do they have on here? This thing? What is this? And it was, I was surprised by how good it was. So that I was pleased with. And now we start to get into the weird territory. The weird territory. Start to. The weird the territory. The whole of Quibai is, is weird territory. <laughs> so, yeah. So that pretty much exhausts all of, like, either the thrillers or the dramas or the horror or whatever, which is mostly what I was focused what on. about the street here? drama when the street lights go on? I, think I haven't watched that one yet. And that, I, I wish I'd gotten a chance to review that before we saw that because that actually got nominated for some Emmys. Which I thought I was that, surprised by. I know Free Ray Sean won some Emmys. Yeah, um, that one too. So yeah, we may do an update at some point once I've actually watched those two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the extent of the dramas that I watched. Uh, I wanted to try to get a grasp of some of the other stuff that was on Quibi. They have a lot of like reality shows. And like news shows, which I'm like, why would you, like you can get the news on YouTube, on the news apps, or wherever? Like, why would you go to Quibi to get your news? I don't understand it. So I didn't watch. Yeah, any I of that. really don't understand that either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like there's a there's so many reality shows on here that I'm like, why? But I did check out a few of them. Um, mostly the ones that most appealed to my sensibilities. I checked out Murder House Flip. <laughs> which was uh sparingly entertaining um it's the the concept of the show is that they go to people who live in a house where people were murdered sure and they like renovate the house to make it a little less creepy um <laughs> i feel like a place where a murder happened is not an inherently creepy house. I mean, okay, let me be clear that it's inherently creepy if you, you know, watch a lot of scary movies because you probably are primed to think that as such it's haunted. But like, it, that doesn't mean structurally it's creepy. Like, you know, if you didn't know, you could probably look at most houses where murders occurred and be like, okay, that's a house. <laughs> right. Um, so like, that was one of the first things I noticed about this is most of these houses look perfectly normal. Um, some of them were just like one or two murders took place there. So it's like, it's not even like there were a murder house. It's just like a murder happened there. There was at least one or two where it was like somebody ran this as a bed and breakfast for multiple years and slowly poisoned the guests to death and like buried multiple bodies in the backyard where I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that is a murder house. But <laughs> yes. But the other thing was like, it's not like these places were like super creepy. They were just like, weren't the best decorated and like kind of trashy. Like they, it, it mostly, other than the fact that they told the stories of the murders on this show, it mostly felt like any other home reno show where they just come in, they fix a couple easy things, they remodel the bathroom and like give them a new feature in the yard and then call it a day. That's basically what happened most of the time here. And another thing is every episode, every episode they tried to work in like the anticipation that like we might find a body here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was that was the funniest part to me is like after like the first two episodes, I started to figure out the formula. And I'm like, no matter what house it is, they're always like pretending like they're going to find a body. They're like, you know, the head of that one corpse was never found. So when we dig up this area, it might be here. But surprise, surprise, they never actually find anything. God, there was what? One thing where they were like remodeling the fireplace and it was like, you know, it's rumored that the murderer stashed the weapon in the fireplace, but they never found it. But we might find the gun while we're (laughs) remodeling the fireplace, but they never did. Of course Um, not. Because the reason they never found it is because somebody did away with it. Like, it's like, (laughs) what? What do you mean we might find it? (laughs) The cops didn't find it, but surely the remodelers will. Good God. Um, the one time where they claimed to have actually found something was when they were remodeling a bathroom in this place where, like, a body had been dismembered in the bathtub. Um, and they claimed that when they pulled up the tile that they found blood underneath it. Like, they they found this thing and they, like, sprayed it with this spray. And they're like, ah, oh, yes, this proves that there's organic material. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it also could just be, like, mold or something, Yeah, what right? the fuck? It's a bathroom. <laughs> Any kind of organic there's, material could be under there. Like There's all sorts of organic material. But, you know, what? that's the closest they got to finding, like, actual scary stuff in it. But they always were, like, acting like, ooh, this is so spooky. It, it, was, it was mildly entertaining. I... I did not regret my time watching that show, but it definitely was like total trash. I would absolutely <laughs> watch that though. Like that's like, but see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. That's the kind of show I would watch. Like I would have on like on like while I'm like cooking like a big Sunday brunch or something. And guess what? I'm not going to do that on my phone. I'm not going to have something on in the background on my phone. So as a result, it doesn't matter. I will never watch it because I, I, I don't understand. The phone thing is really where I get hung up because you can Chromecast. I can't do that. So, well, and another problem that I should mention with the Chromecast is even if you're using the Chromecast, you have to open the app for each episode. Like it won't just keep auto playing. You have to reopen the app and then it'll play. Oh, that's very annoying. <laughs> um, so it's like it's this it's the sort of thing where it's like, why? Like, why do I even have to do this? Because like you could totally leave a show like this on in the background while you're cooking, but if you have to pick up your phone every time to do it. Why wouldn't you just put on like a uh, reality show on Netflix where it'll just keep autoplaying? Right, right, right. <laughs> and like this is like it's, it's it's a bummer. Like this is like the specific niche of reality TV that I will watch, like home makeover type shows, and like like you know I like all I like the stupid like house hunters and like the shows where people are like trying to remodel things in their home. I like that you know I watch HGTV. That's like one of the reality TV channels I will watch. But I'm not going to watch this one, which is really up my alley. Like, I, it's like, there's like tinges of quote unquote horror connection. And also it's like a home makeover. That's exactly what I want to see. That's like, yeah, you know, um, so, but it's a fun fusion of genres. Yeah. But I can't watch it because I have to do it on my phone, which I'm not going to do. Um, which really is getting into like the overall take on Quibi, which is that I'm not doing it on my phone. I don't want to watch things on my phone like that. I don't want to watch narrative form anything on my phone. That's not what I want to do. I want to do that on my TV. And I don't want to rely on Chromecast to do it. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that was an issue. But overall, this was a fun show. 
Let me talk about the other reality show that I watched on there that I actually enjoyed. Oh, um, there's more. This is the the only other one that appealed to me even slightly. I it, it's not Chrissy's Court. Surprise, surprise. If, if somebody tried to make which me is, watch Chrissy's Court, I would like literally decapitate myself. I would like. Which is, <laughs> by the way, it, which is a a courtroom show where Chrissy Teigen is the judge. Apparently, she does not. Um, she's not a judge, right? Like, I'm not going crazy. She's like. A model and a chef? Like, I don't... No, but apparently, uh, like, I think it... I don't know if it's, like, a real court show or anything. I but mean, obviously, it's not real. Like, I mean, she's not <laughs> handing down legal decisions. But, like, what is the... But, like, it doesn't even require much to become Judge Judy, you know? Like... Yeah, I just, like, don't really know what the, like... I don't really know what the thought process behind... You know what? We should have a this, like, arbitration court show. And we should make Chrissy <laughs> Tagan be the judge. And it's, like... But why? Like, what made you think that? Like, what? That's an odd co- co- combination and of things. I want to be clear that I like Chrissy Teigen. Like, you know, she's funny. She seems, she's very smart. Like, I would watch many things with her as the star. I don't think an arbitration court-based show is the thing I want to watch with her as the star. Like, <laughs> it's an odd fit. Yes. Anyway, the the other reality show that I did like was Barkitecture. Um, is it, please which, tell me about building dog houses. Yes. Okay. It is a show where uh, these two people go to celebrities' houses and they build them like some fancy ass dog house for their dog. Oh my god! Uh, is Paris Hilton in the show? No, but I wish uh, like <laughs> it should have had her. Paris Hilton um, in it, but it's just her character from um fucking what's that repo house of <laughs> repo man i was thinking house of wax but that too yeah well um, you've watched house of wax more recently <laughs> i have i have maybe we'll get into that who knows um but yes that that's the basic premise um it's kind of funny it it goes by pretty quick you know it's just like the other one you can have it on in the background they some of them are better than others like some of them like are obviously not anything the dog will ever use like they've got like a louis the uh, louis couture furniture and stuff and a little chandelier and stuff like the dog's gonna tear this to shreds in minutes but some of them are like actually pretty well built for the dogs that are designed for um and they're all very unique and unusual so you get to see some fun different dog kinds houses of dog houses <laughs> yes and the high all stakes else, reality TV here. Yeah. Um, failing all else, you get to see some dogs. So if you're into dogs, you you get to see some of those. Um, Who the fuck again, isn't into dogs, you fuckers? I, cat people. Those damn cat. I'm people. a cat person, but I really like dogs too. I right. I personally would have more cats, but cat. like. There's some people who are only cat people, yes. and those people, I I have some questions. I need ca- anyway. I, I'm, I need to have cats instead of dogs because I need things that like want to be in the room with me, but like don't need my attention at all times. Um, because I don't <laughs> have attention cat. to give. Um, I like right. I just like don't. I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. I'm very isolated. I like to be with myself most of the time but like um <laughs> dogs require me to pet them all the time and i'm like i don't this is a bit much for me um, see it's not a it's not a big burden to me but you know what it takes all kinds the people i can't i also really love dogs and i want a don't dog. like dogs at all that's very strange yeah. but anyway yes this uh this is not bad you know it's not the highest brow of material 
but it's kind of fun. Um, Who needs highbrow? Only- what, what? I can't even believe we're talking. We use the word highbrow in this in this podcast. <laughs> um, this is like, excuse me. This is a very serious uh, highfalutin podcast. We are we, we like only. Fo- I'm pretty sure that we conceptually, like fundamentally, disapprove <laughs> of the concept of lowbrow versus highbrow. I'm pretty sure, like fu- fundamentally, we are not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, Mandy is an art house film. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> Um, so the only other show that I watched any of that was a reality show was, uh, the reboot of Punked. I fucking... I I only watched one episode of this because I absolutely could not stand it. Um, so... Is it still Ashton? Who hosts it? No, no. So, um... Punked was originally like a re, like a prank show in I guess the late nineties. I can't believe you're describing 2000s. what punked is. If you don't, don't know, know, if you don't know what where punked Ashton, is, I'm upset that you're listening to this. Ashton Kutcher prank celebrities, and like the thing is, I can't remember whether it was actually ever any good. I used to watch a decent amount of it. Same, um, same. I don't this know who one, was good, but same. <laughs> this one is hosted by Chance the Rapper, and oh, um, weird. It's just like the one episode I watched was just it wasn't funny. It was like just really uncomfortable. Who was like, the, um, the prank? Who did they prank? So they were pranking Lil Nas X. Oh no, Lil uh, Nas! I like Lil Nas. And it was like he was going to shoot a music video, and they like had like some fake Homeland Security guys show up and say they were like arresting his stylist because of some things she'd posted online or something. And mm. it was really, it was just really uncomfortable the See, whole time. See, this is uncomfortable because like, was- we know that DHS is like a, a terror organization. So like, you know, it's like upsetting to watch. That's part of it. It's like, <laughs> this is a little too real at times, but also it's like, there, there was none of it that was ever really funny. Like there were some parts of punk that were like funny. Cause they'd like, I don't know, like pretend to smash up a celebrity's car and you'd see them like lose their shit. And you'd be like, ha ha, you lost your fancy car. You rich celebrity. And you're crying about it. And like, even that's mean spirited, but at least that was funny. This was, just like this is genuinely very upsetting and like nobody nobody involved like really freaked out or anything people were just like very concerned and then at the end they were like ha huh, it was all a prank bro and it's like ha huh, yeah huh. that was great <laughs> i didn't I laugh like, <laughs> um so <laughs> nobody was laughing um. i yeah i did not feel the need to watch anymore after that i don't know i don't know whether it's punk that's aged badly or if it's like the reboot is just not good i don't know but either way i didn't want to watch more and the i, I guess the the format was basically the same because they used to like prank two different people an episode and this one is just like one, so well, it's, it's shorter. Kind of long. It's shorter, so it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, it, it fits the format, I guess, because it's just like they're chopping up a regular episode of Punk. There are some funny episodes of the original Punk, just because you see certain celebrities like reacting in certain ways, and it is hilarious at moments. Um, but in general, I'm just like, I mean, I can be kind of. I mean, I can say mean things about people, but I'm not a mean-spirited person. And even celebrities, I'm like, I don't really want to see them in states of distress. You know, like, right. it's not yeah. funny when Ashton Kutcher makes Hillary Duff cry. Like, like I don't enjoy watching that. That's not a good time for me. So, you know, that that's my take right. on punk. 
as a whole. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> some some subsets of prank shows that are funny, like Trigger Happy TV. I used to find very funny, but uh, like I don't know, the s- punk just feels too personal. Like they're specifically yeah. going to fuck with people. Oh, but what was that? What was that prank show that was horror themed back in the day? Oh my god, I know one? the one you're talking about. Yes, holy shit, I did watch that. Um, what was that? <laughs> Fuck, I can't remember. That one was just really good because they always had, like, surprisingly good special effects. <laughs> they, like, did, like, one where someone, like, showed up for, like, some sort of job that was supposed to be at a lab. And it turned out, like, they were making, like, mutant rat people in there. Yes. And they had, like, one of the rat people come out. And it was like, oh, my God, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. That was, was really that funny. Show? I can't remember what that was, but I know what you're talking about. Scare tactics. That was oh, scare yeah. tactics. Yeah. The, yeah, that was funny. That went through a couple iterations, and that was usually pretty funny, especially because like it was usually people setting up their friends. That's always funny. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all the reality shows that I watched. I also like to finish this out. I watched two of their comedy shows. One. Did you watch very- the Anna Kendrick one? Yes, I did. Okay. And look at that. One very, very bad and one sort of good. Okay. So let's start with the very, very bad. Uh, the Mapleworth Murders is probably the worst thing that I watched on Quibi. Wow. It is Ripped to so, Lauren Michaels. <laughs> it is so uncomfortably bad. It is like, I just, I really don't know what it is. Uh but yeah, it, it's made by a bunch of like wow, SNL look people. At, yeah, look at this SNL cast. Alumni. This it's is got a really insane cast. Um, yeah, let, let's pull this up and just it's, list it's some of these Paula people. It's got Paula Pell. It's got John Lutz. It's got Fred Armisen. It's got Maya Rudolph. It's got Patton Oswalt. It's got Jack McBrayer, Darcy Carden, uh, Ike Barinholtz, uh, Tina Fey, Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes, Terry Crews. Nicole Byer. These are all huge names. Yeah, really huge. And just like the entire thing. So the basic premise of it is it's like, it's kind of like a riff off of like Miss Marple and stuff like that. Where it's like the main character is like solving these murders around her. But it's like the whole thing is like, it's really dumb and goofy. But it's just like the whole, like the humor in it is so weird and just aggressively unfunny it's the sort of thing where like movie 43 (laughs) yeah like that where it's like there's a joke and you're like am i supposed to laugh at that and like after a few minutes of it you're like what is going on have i stepped into an alternate reality (laughs) in some world is this expected to be funny it's it's really it was very troubling to me like i just i don't know what it was um but yeah, I, I watched several episodes of this one and just not a one of them did I find funny or entertaining or anything. It's just very strange. Um, I don't know what it is. No, I do not recommend that one. <laughs> well, I will not be watching it. So maybe check out an episode to see if you can pick up what I'm talking about. But uh, it was very strange. Um one thing I forgot to mention that doesn't really fall into any of these categories, but I found interesting was uh, Nightgowns, which is like a behind-the-scenes look at Sasha Valor's drag show. Um, 
And this, it was pretty interesting. I feel like you, you'd really only uh, like it if you like enjoyed drag and got something out of it. But uh, it's, it's very cool and shows a lot of like what goes into her show and how she puts it together and all like the different talented people that work on it. Uh, so I find that interesting. Finally, the last show that I have to talk about tonight is Dummy. Yeah, that's one of the ones that the- it's a big one. People know about that one. Yeah, the the Anna Kendrick show, it, it's it's uh, created by Cody Heller, who is Dan Harmon's girlfriend, which is a big part of like the show. <laughs> like the the okay. show is like very the, well. It is the show is like very autobiographical. Like the main character played by Anna Kendrick is Cody Heller, sure, and Dan Harmon is in the show as played by Donald Logue. <laughs> Which is very strange to see, like, because I've watched a lot of Dan Harmon shows, and it's weird, like, if you're, like, kind of a fan of Harmon and whatever, you sort of get a sense of who he is, and, like, he does his own podcast and stuff, so he's sort of a public figure, but it's very interesting to see a fictionalized version of him on the screen, and they keep, you know, bringing that up, they bring up Rick and Morty. Of course they do, yeah. uh, (laughs) It, it's very interesting, but it's like it's all about like her struggle to like kind of come out from behind his shadow, which is interesting. Um, and this show, it's sort of like it's a weird meta narrative. Like the whole show is like the story of her coming up with this show. Uh, but basically, it's like Dan Harmon has a sex doll and she finds it. And then, like, the sex doll starts talking to her, and they, like, develop this relationship. And it's it's very weird and funny. Um, it's not great all the way through, but it's pretty good. And it's definitely the best comedy that I found on Quibi. And I, I'd recommend that one. I think it's, it's very surreal and unusual, but also it, it has some very funny moments. Okay. I mean, I like surreal and unusual. That's a plus in my book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I Same. do like Anna Kendrick. I have a lot of concerns about Anna Kendrick's. I don't want to say I have concerns about her career because she's very famous, but I kind of have concerns about Anna Kendrick's career. But like, you know, she just keeps doing some. There are choices being made that I I have questions about. But like, you know, I feel like she's underutilized. Yeah, like she should get more leading roles. I mean, you know? probably a lot of that is because she is like a woman who's a comedian. Um, and you know that that's not a. The Hollywood doesn't treat that well. Um, That's true. But um, but she doesn't just do comedy either. Like she can do dramatic stuff too. She I definitely really like can. Her. But I do think. I mean, I think you can even see it in her choices. Like comedy is like you know, that's what she's really right. really good at. I mean, I mean she's a, maybe that's she's more hilarious. She like she's one of the funny. Like you know, she's very funny, and her comedic timing is like excellent. She is hilarious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it, and it's it's good to see a big name star like her. On this platform, I yeah. guess. Uh, again, like it's kind of mind-boggling the level of talent that we can find in these shows. They clearly spent a lot of money getting both like properties yep. and directors yep. and writers and actors yep. and actresses on board for this. Um, I, I feel which, like the <laughs> the payoff has not been great. For, uh, <laughs> and this is Quibi. the result. Yeah, <laughs> Quibi. Um, yeah, I I don't know. They're not doing well. Apparently, they're they're looking for a buyer. Who knows who that might be? Shocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I I would recommend 
if you're curious about any of the stuff that we've talked about tonight, I'd recommend you know getting a trial and checking some of this stuff out. The one benefit is like you can go through a lot of their catalog pretty quickly. Yeah, you can. And that's that's also part of the problem is like they have all this you know pretty top notch talent here, but you can also like get through all that content in a very short period of time. And then if you were paying for this service, you'd be like, okay, what else is coming out now? Right. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, like I've seen them add a few more shows since I first started watching this stuff, but not at all enough to like keep up with if you were actually like constantly watching this stuff. Yeah. Whereas like no, you're never gonna burn through like your Netflix queue or whatever. It's totally cap- capable of watching everything on Quibi in a couple weeks. Right. I think that is the big problem. The the content on Quibi and like. You know, they could have, like, maybe, like, planned it out a little bit better so that, you know, they had more content at launch um, and then had more, you know, they just had, like, a back library for a while. But one of the problems is that no matter what you do, your content is, like, an entire season is at most, like, the length of a movie. So people are going to clear through it pretty quickly. And so you'd have to have had a ton of stuff. And how do you get a ton of content in this format because like people aren't just making things in this format and they're not going to, if the only platform that uses this format is Quibi, then people aren't going to like <laughs> rush to do this. So, right. Yeah. Like, like Hulu or Netflix can just buy up friends and like have right. and, hours like, and hours you can have of entertainment. Content that's on multiple, like, like a, a TV show can be on Netflix, Hulu and prime. You know, like that can happen. It's not common now because everybody competes for things. But like, like the, Quibi has to produce the th- all their own exactly. stuff. The theory is that, you know, all of these other platforms can take any content. But like the, the Quibi content is very specific and Netflix is never going to pick up a Quibi series. That's just like, you know, unless Quibi does really well, which I'm using the present tense when we can definitively say that Quibi <laughs> is not doing really well. So <laughs> they are not. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's our take on Quibi. It's worth checking out, but I don't know. I have some severe. Do the two week free trial. Watch some stuff. Uh, get rid of it. Don't pay four ninety nine. That's two coffees. Like that's you know yeah, you're fine. Um, in yeah, fact, check that's it probably out. And- more than two coffees if you're buying them from a coffee cart on the street corner. Like I am. So like, <laughs> you know, don't, don't do it. Just, I mean, it's just not necessary. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we, we covered a pretty broad swath of the kind of stuff people might be interested in. Like I said, uh, we didn't cover free Ray Sean or where the streetlights end. Um, those are both supposed to be pretty good. So we might cover those later, but, uh, just for the record, those are also supposed to be worth checking yeah, out. Yeah, I don't think uh, that there's nothing good on there. I do think these things are good. And, like, I think that if you do a free trial, you should probably watch Free Rayshant. From everything I've heard, it's a good show to watch. I'm just saying that I don't know that you should extend it beyond the two-week free trial. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's where we're at. Or if, if you've got T-Mobile... Make sure to get that T-Mobile Tuesday deal. Right, like uh, I don't have T-Mobile <laughs> and it's weird to me that people do. So, you know, it's no offense, but I, I don't think I've ever met somebody who has T-Mobile before this moment. So. Well, you met, you met me a while ago. Yes, I've known you for a few you. years, it turns out. Um. And, see, and see, you know, 
you might be making fun of T-Mobile, but who's sitting pretty here with a six-month Quibi subscription? Yeah, That's you are right, really winning with your Quibi <laughs> subscription. Oh, um, yeah. Over here All with right. Quibi. Um. <laughs> All right, so yeah. Uh, before we close out, um, are there any movies you've been watching recently you want to talk it's about? It's the spooky uh, season, so I've been watching a lot of spooky movies. Um, let's bracket this by saying I'm still watching Rock of Ages once or twice a week. Um, of so course, we've got, of course. we've got to keep that going. We've got to let the listeners <laughs> Goes know. without saying. Um, listen, um, I am working through the entire Living Dead franchise right now uh, as as my nice, as my nice. October franchise or as my October project. Um, I was gonna say October surprise because that just is like on the tip of the tongue <laughs> these days. Uh, can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been working through all of those. Uh, I just last night watched the last of the Romero directed. Uh, living dead movies um it nice. was like which one was that survival of the dead it's like really bad Ooh. um oh no it's uh i mean that's like i guess i'm being kind of harsh it's not okay so the 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 one before that diary of the dead was like a found footage movie um right I, yeah he got a little experimental with that uh, experimental is a big word and so like i <laughs> i had some issues with that movie just because like it, it did, I mean, I know that none of the movies, like, carry over in terms of narrative. Like, you don't see recurring characters and things like that. Um, but, like, it was, like, for four straight movies, it was bites of things obviously in the same universe. Like, and it made sense. And then they got to Diary mm-hmm. of the Dead. And it was, like, contemporary to 2004 or 6 or whatever it was film. And... It was like the zombie apocalypse hadn't happened yet. And the movie was the start of the zombie apocalypse. And it was clearly contemporary. They had cell phones and things. And I was like, but like, we have this very classic film that was supposed to be in the same franchise that was decades ago. That was the start of the zombie apocalypse. So they like broke the continuity. basically. Yeah. And like, it was just like, and like, it's hard to criticize them for breaking the continuity when like, obviously there's no, even between movies before there wasn't like quote-unquote continuity because like storylines don't carry over but it was like you know you watch night of the living dead well dawn of the dead is very clearly after night of the living dead like the zombies have been around for a while by that point those first few really like are and when you get to land of the dead the fourth one which was you know there was a huge gap too there was night dawn and day and day was an 80s film and then the next one wasn't until 2004 right um and yeah and like that's the last one I saw. And that, there is a huge really like time the gap there. But Land of the Dead was also very clearly long after that first one. Like, you can yeah, the, you can the, believe that Land of the Living Dead or whatever. Land of the Dead. I don't think they use living anymore. Um, Land of the Dead. You well, can the believe that that took place in 2004 in the same timeline as a Night of the Living Dead that took place in the, what was it, like 60s or 70s? Um yeah so late 60s it was the late 60s right um well um the premise of land is like that you know humans have been living with zombies for decades and like they've evolved a new society and that's mostly based around like keeping the zombies out yeah like they have like a walled city and all that um so that was very interesting but i i guess like Romero just decided he was done with that continuity wanted to try something different without trying to work it in and some of it kind of makes sense like diary of the dead is very clearly like i'm saying the word meditation i don't know if that's really that's like being a little generous but it is very clearly (laughs) a thought on like 
how we consume and create media in the 2000s. Like, okay. and like, it's, it's about a filmmaker who like refuses to stop filming in the face of the zombie apocalypse. And everybody's like, can you just put down the camera for two seconds? Cause I'm like crying and my family is zombies and you're filming me and I don't want that. Like, that's like the sort of thing that keeps happening in the movie. I will say it's very like frustrating to be watching a movie and every two minutes, somebody yells at the guy holding the camera that he's filming. <laughs> like, it's like, well, yeah, the movie would not exist if this guy weren't filming. So like, and like, I get the point you're making Romero. I get like, I get the idea that like, there's a criticism to be made of like, maybe when crises are happening, we should stop being like, I got to publish this to social media, which is like the clear, you know, the, the yeah. through line that's, at this point in the movie. That sort of stuff happens in Cloverfield too. Yeah. There's like, people are like, why are you filming but it's right like now? Every, it's like, okay. It is like every character throughout the movie says it. It's like very heavy handed. And I will say this was like pre paranormal activity. So Props to yeah. props to Romero for doing a found footage before Paranormal Activity revived found footage, but like it was probably after Wreck though. I feel like Wreck was like the real start of the found footage revival. True, true. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and obviously in the '90s we had a found footage revival with Blair Witch anyway. Like, it, and like that yeah. wasn't that long removed from the 2000s. That was the big obviously, boom. yeah. Um, but like, it is like it's it's very frustrating to watch and hear that every time because like. Guess what? Blair Witch Project also made that criticism and we watched it and we liked it and we still love like, you know, a big plot point of Blair Witch Project is when they're all yelling at her for continuing to make her movie. Right. Like that's literally part of the that's the concept of the film. Um, so it is frustrating that Diary does it, too, and clearly keeps doing it over and over and over and over. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. I know. And like. But there are parts that are really good about Diary of, uh, Diary of the Dead. And so, like, I enjoyed watching it. It is still very funny um, be- and not intentionally. Um, it Like, there, <laughs> like there's, like, a, oh, no. a girl from Texas who's like, and this is, we're together with her boyfriend and then pulls out her phone to take a selfie. And the guy holding the video camera says, what is that? And she's like, this is my camera. And it's like, okay, first of all, this is extremely obvious, the point you're making. And also, <laughs> second of all, like... I do not believe that a filmmaker in the mid to late 2000s sees a cell phone and thinks, what is that? Like, he knows what a cell phone is. He's a he's a college student <laughs> and a filmmaker. It? Like, he fucking knows. And so, like... College kids know what cell phones yeah, are. Yeah, like, I just, like, don't believe... Like, and it's not believable. And, like, there's, like, a character who's, like, a their professor who, like, escapes the college campus with them when the zombie apocalypse breaks out. And, like, they're all in an RV. And he's, like... First of all, he's like extremely condescending and he's an alcoholic and he's British. I just got to say it is the most <laughs> worst stere- of all. No, but it is the British. most stereotyped like college professor British man who drinks too much bourbon. He's always like, and this is man's greatest invention, oh bourbon. And I'm like, oh my God, I wanted to like. Well, okay, okay fair. <laughs> I mean, it is also- true. <laughs> it is a good point, but like it is so annoying and like. It's just, like, the whole thing. And, like, of course, like, the guy is constantly fighting with his girl. Like, literally, he has a girlfriend. And she's apparently a filmmaker who stopped filmmaking for whatever reason. And she's the one yelling at him about filming all the time. And it's like, I don't even know why you two are dating. Like, you seem to hate one another. You have, like, complete (laughs) polar opposite moral philosophies and, like, existential beliefs about the world. Like, you do not view the world the same way. Like, and so it's just, like, very frustrating to watch. But at least, 
at least there's a solid concept in like, because I would say if you watch the Romero ones, each one is tackling very specific concepts. Um, right. And so like, I sp- especially like land, it, like it really managed to actually say something after being all like, of them. Decades are. I mean, uh, every one. single one of them has like very clear, like conceptual beliefs and like is tackling like certain issues. And I will also commend Romero that every single That's one Romero has, right has it has a thrust that has to do with race and specifically how like, because it's always in America, yeah. specifically about how America treats black people. Like that he is always tackles that is race. always uh, and, and that holds through pretty much all of them to some degree that that's happening in diary. And that happens in survival to some extent. It was um, uh, it, Dawn, uh, Night of the Living Dead was like the first horror movie with a black lead. Yeah. So uh, a, yeah, and obviously started with Night of the Living Dead. Anybody who's seen Dawn of the Dead, which is my personal favorite of his of his um, that obviously tackles it more and like like and so it keeps going and so um survival though is like it just it picks up on some characters that briefly appear in diary and oh but before we move on i just want to mention i was in college when this movie came out and we did know what cell phones were at the time (laughs) what year was it what year was it did you look Uh, it up well it came it came out at the film festivals in late 2007 okay. and it was released theatrically in early 2008. Yes. Okay, so I had a cell phone at that point in my life. So, yes, I knew what a cell phone was. Um, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, I mean, I just got to say that High School Musical, which is what, like a 2006 movie, um, has a moment where they take selfies with their cell phones. And it does not explain to you what it is. But George Romero right. felt the need to explain what it is in his movie that well, came out. George after Romero is an old man uh, at this point. So um, you probably... think Kenny Ortega is young when he did High School Musical? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that is. And I'm disturbed that you do. Wait, wait. You don't know who Kenny Ortega is? He directed Hocus Pocus. And. Okay. What? He directed Newsies. He, like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've seen those movies. I didn't know who directed And he's them. a major choreographer. He did like St. Elmo's Fire. He did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He did Dan- Dirty oh, Dancing. Oh, he did Pretty okay, Pink. Okay, okay, That's like his thing. Anyway, Kenny Ortega is a big name. Right. And people should know who Kenny Ortega is. I've been dragged. Yeah. I've been dragged. Um, All right. You got me. So anyway, um, Survival picks up on these characters that appear in Diary and they're na- the National Guard. And it carries them into, uh, it shows, like, what they get up to after their very brief appearance in Diary. Um, And so, Hmm. it's kind of interesting that it's one of the first examples of, like, clear connection between movies. Um, And so, you also know exactly when this is happening, because it's, like, happening right after the events of Diary. So, you know it's still pretty early in this new zombie apocalypse timeline, which means that you can excuse a lot of stupid beliefs about zombies, right? Like, um, pe- yeah. people don't necessarily know everything the way that they should. Um, I mean, if there's anything we've learned over the past few months is that you can excuse a lot of stupid beliefs during a in pandemic. any sort of um, apocalyptic situation. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, excuse is a big word in this case. Um, excuse, but maybe not. Maybe but not. understand, certainly. Yeah. Um, but the problem is that this movie largely takes place on an island off the coast of Delaware between two warring families, both of whom are Irish. I don't understand why it's about an Irish family feud in Delaware. And <laughs> is the, it the Hatfields and the McCoys? It is essentially Hatfields and McCoys. 
But in Delaware. Yeah. And uh, I like, I really don't understand why this is the direction Romero went. Like, I think, okay, so I think if we're going with like the idea that Romero is always covering like certain thematic elements, um, I think that his theme was like, why are these families so wrapped up in this old family feud in the middle of an apocalypse that is literally killing everyone? Like, like and how Maybe, yeah. th- I, that's the concept is factionalism like, even in the face of yeah, imminent and death. like I, and I do think that's the point. It's not done very well. It is very. Ba- I mean, not saying that there's there is a reason to make factionalism involving Irish folks. I I like there is a there's a clear historical oh, yeah. context to that, but it is very odd that it's taking place in the U.S. Um, like you could have just like moved the movie to an Irish setting. Like you could have made it happen in Ireland. We know from past movies that the zombie apocalypse is happening in other countries. Um, Ooh, a zombie movie in Ireland would be pretty interesting. I think I'm trying to remember if the one Irish zombie movie I saw or the one zombie movie I saw at the Virginia film festival was in Ireland. It was one where a zombie eats a a baby out of the womb. I know that. Um, Oh my God. It was either Irish. It was either Irish or Scottish. Um, I have seen Cockneys versus Zombies. Which Fun is fact, very- <laughs> the one where the zombie ate the baby out of the womb was, uh, it was a first date with someone. So let me tell you that <laughs> that date. That's <laughs> a great, that's a great date. Maybe. Neither of us were in the mood um, to take the other home after that date. Let's just say that. I, um, <laughs> I didn't, I never had a first date at the Virginia Film Festival, but I did have a date movie uh, when we saw 127 hours. Oh my God. <laughs> at the end of it she was just like oh that was a lot my experience with 127 hours which i also saw at the virginia film festival and it's so funny to think that we didn't know one another then we were in the same same room Um, oh my god that's amazing i did drink an entire trenta iced coffee with no ice (laughs) right before the movie and so i sat through the movie needing to pee the whole time and i was like oh no this is basically living 127 (laughs) hours so personal version of 127 Um, hours wow it's so crazy that we were both there but we didn't know i know right um i feel like this is not the first time that we figured out that we were both at the same place at the same time, but didn't know each other. I mean, it makes so, perfect sense that we would have often been at the same place at the same time in college because of just right. we went to the same college and our interests Two very much overlap. The same yeah. college <laughs> in the same time. Um, You're bound to have some overlap. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So um, I absolutely believe that. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Did you go to the screening of uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? No, where, but um, uh, friend of the pod, Georgia did. Um, oh, I was there. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Guillermo del Toro was supposed to be there and he didn't show. Yeah. So yeah. very disappointing. Um, but it was a good movie. I can never remember why I didn't go to that. I remember wanting to and I couldn't for some reason. So, um, but yes, I, I remember that. Uh, Georgia was there, though. Um, our, our, fr- our friend of the pod. Uh, so friend of the she's pod. getting shout a shout out. out. To Georgia. Um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh man, we could just go down a rabbit hole of Virginia Film Festival. Um, so (laughs) anyway, after I finished the Romero ones and the Irish family thing, oh, we should mention that there's a a litany of Saw cast members who appear in the Romero. Oh yes, Living Dead film. You have been Snapchatting me these like all week, (laughs) like every Saw cast member who shows up in a Um, Romero. There are so many. Um, so Gus from Saw Two, who gets his eye shot out, appears in Land of the Dead. Um. As very does brief William, in Saw 2. Yeah, very briefly in Saw 2, but he's actually like a 
not main. There are a lot of cast members in Land of the Dead. It's kind of a a, a big cast. Um, but he he yeah. has a pretty. I mean, he survives Land of the Dead and like has a his last moment. Like it is a moment. Like so he's a character. Nice. Um, so he's in it. Oh, um, um, also William Easton from Saw Six is William in Land Easton? of the Dead, uh, which was iconic. Oh I was screaming, especially because the son of the guy that William Easton fucks over in terms of healthcare is also in Land of the Dead, and I was like, Oh my oh god, my yes, god. you told me about that. I was like, literally, like losing my mind. I was like, the crossover Wait. here, because. I'm wondering if that one Saw Stan who's obsessed with William Easton knows that he's in that film. We need to tweet at them. We need to get them to know this. Um, I've I've seen them like tweeting about him showing up in other films. Like apparently he's in one of the Silent Hill films. Oh, whoa. So this, I've seen the first one. Oh, I should watch the this second This person one. is very obsessed with William Easton. It's so, um, I cannot imagine. Like, like, that's like being obsessed with like, who's like a seemingly harmless but terrible ceo right now like uh, like tim tim from apple tim what tim cook tim and tim yeah. tim cook uh, or or like jack from twitter yeah or something. like uh, it's just like you're still like you're responsible for a lot of negativity that's happening in this world even though well, i think you know I think that's what that that's what works really well about William Easton is that like you know he's a bastard but there's still some likable elements of him. Also I do think legitimately by the end of the movie William Easton has learned his lesson and if he had survived would have been a better person. Um right. so it, he, it that he is like the, sacrifices that's the pl- himself multiple yeah, times. Yeah, that's the plus of William Easton is it like he very clearly represents somebody who was like so high up that he just didn't even see the way that his things impacted people down on the the lower level. And once he learns that he would have corrected his behavior. I do think that's who William Easton is. That's what makes Saw 6 so damn interesting is that like somebody actually learns from like the process. God, it's so good. Anyway, Um, we're talking about Saw 6. (laughs) Um, We do that a lot. Not to delve into Saw 6 Um, again, but yes, William Easton's actor was in that movie by George Romero. So, but the son of the guy he fucks over reappears as a main character in Survival of the Dead. Um, and I yeah. don't know, like, obviously the timelines get weird after Land of the Dead, so it's not supposed to be the same kid grown up, but at the same time, it's hard not to think that it's the same kid grown up. Like, you know, he's a, ch- right. he's a child in Land of the Dead. He's, he's very young. And in the next one, he's like a college age kind of kid. Um, so he's playing a different character, but well, in the, the first same. movie, it's like really, I mean, you could call it a cameo, except for he's not a name that anyone knows. So it's not a cameo. Like, it's just like a bit yeah. role. And the and the next one, he is like a main role, uh, but he doesn't get a name. He's just called Boy the whole time. Um, <laughs> boy, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you know, it's the apocalypse. Um, but also, <laughs> no one has names. Importantly, anymore. Agent Perez appears in Survival of the Dead um, as God like a, a National Guard member who's like a lesbian who hits on this Irish man's not alive daughter or whatever. And like, I know, I know the zombies are weird. <laughs> At one point, a zombie is riding a horse in this movie. It's very strange. Um, she's hitting on a zombie. Well, she's, <laughs> she's implying that she would hit on a zombie is what's happening. He like, he oh, says man, something I'd about that. Zombie, there's this man. very funny moment <laughs> where he's like, my daughter is whatever. And she's like, Oh, is your daughter? I can't remember what she says. And he's like, "Oh yes, very much." And she's like, "Oh, that's something we both have to look forward to." And he's like, he literally says, "So you're uh," and she's like, 
yeah, so I'm, uh, is that going to be a problem for you? And I'm like, okay, can we all calm down? Like, <laughs> I'm a zombie sexual. Yeah, what about I mean, it? clearly the implication is that she's just attracted to women, right? Like, that's the idea. Um, she, The word yeah. gay and the word lesbian are never once used, but that is the implication. Mm. Um, and not even implication, like it's pretty explicit. Um, I feel like we could have assigned that to Perez as Absolutely, well I agree, the, uh, yeah. Um, which makes me think maybe the actress, but I don't know. I haven't looked that up. Um you never know. It just might be the kind of role she plays. Yeah, it but just Therese is. Uh, has some strong energy. She definitely has been typecast as like the woman who's in a, a force that is generally dominated by men and who also happens to be attracted to women. Um, that's like what she, you know. Um, so that's what she does. The Michelle Rodriguez role. Yes, basically. yes, absolutely. Holy shit. Um, it is interesting <laughs> that she. Yeah, it's interesting that it's Michelle Rodriguez and this actress who plays Agent Perez, and there's. There's some ethnic questions we could bring up in terms of why it's mm. those actresses who are getting that typecast is, that into is this interesting, role. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a problem. Um, but anyway, that's not something I fully fleshed out. Um, I will <laughs> say that a key moment in Survival of the Dead is when they introduce the Agent Perez actress's character. Um, her name is Tomboy, by the way. They call her Tomboy. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Just explicitly yeah. stating it yeah. for everyone. Um, she where the other guy's boy and her name is tomboy like does everyone just have like a generic not not everybody but just about like everybody some people do have like quote-unquote normal names but like um other characters are called like like there's somebody who's called nicotine the whole time like and so like (laughs) yeah it is pretty normal for people to have a, a weird name um so at least the main characters i will say um but the key moment is that when she is introduced, her character is literally sitting in this like military compound and she's got her hand in her pants and she's clearly fingering herself and she's moaning while she does it. And people are just around her acting like this is normal. Like, <laughs> oh, no. it like makes no sense. And this one guy who's like clearly into her is like, oh, um, he's like, oh, stop doing that. You're turning me on. And it's like, what? Like, clearly that's turning you on. She's like fingering herself and moaning in enjoyment of it. So like, I don't know if you know this, but I think that um, would turn like anybody, what you're doing, right? Anybody who's attracted to women would be turned on by what she's doing. So like, I don't really understand this scene. I don't know what it's supposed to say about her that she's doing. Like, is it supposed to be like, Why oh, she she's a lesbian, that? so she doesn't care if men see because she's not attracted to men and they aren't going to do anything with her because she is a lesbian? Like, I don't know. and But, like, even if that's the case, that's kind of ridiculous because the history of men mistreating lesbians and saying, oh, well, if you try it with them, you know, like, that's, like, a common thing. So, like, thematically, like, it doesn't make sense, like, because I don't think any lesbian would be like, yes, let me just do this in front of men because men are terrible to, you know like this is like a thing I just, I just feel like nobody would nobody would ever be like oh let me just masturbate in front of other people and just expect that nobody would say anything about it regardless of i don't understand sexuality. it makes no sense i mean yes obviously regardless of sexuality but i do think that <laughs> the sexuality is supposed to be a key part in why she's doing it. right i have yeah, trouble I mean, believing that's not probably. why um but also like why also would i want to be, be clear case? that the, this actress her name is Athena Karkanis. She is Greek and Egyptian. And she is playing characters called Agent Perret. Like, she is not She's even. Clearly I'm sorry. Being cast as Hispanic. Yeah, yes. and that's not her. That's not. 
who she is. Anyway, um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that until now. I just looked it up. Um, so, oh, she had a voice role in Total Drama: Revenge of the Island, which I have watched. So, uh, that's good. Um, why have I watched Total? Oh my God, she's in an episode of Degrassi: The Next Generation. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, yes, Degrassi is like the the home base for this podcast, yeah. basically. Um, Everything ties back to, well, I mean. She's Canadian. I want to be clear. The actress is Canadian. Well, yes. So a lot of Canadian actors are in the Saw movies, and as a result, they also sometimes show up in Degrassi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is quite the crossover. Um, so this was between a very uh, good moment. Um, wholesome yet edgy teen drama and violent dismemberment horror movie. Yeah. She was also in an episode. She was also in five episodes of House of Cards. And her name was Melody Cruz. Oh. C-R-U-Z. She is clearly yep. being typecast as like a Latina <laughs> at- playing character. Hispanics. And it's through and through. It doesn't yeah. make any. Uh, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense because that's not she is not hispanic in any way she's greek well, and egyptian I mean, um, if you were her and it was like well you can go out for all the greek wait egyptian holy shit roles, holy shit teddy you can teddy, try to pass she's what? in repo the genetic opera repo <laughs> she plays oh she God. plays a female repo victim that's her literal character name <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Okay, so it's clear at this point that Agent Perez is basically the through line for this podcast. So uh, we might just be watching the rest of. I her think we need to watch. Yeah, the the re- we need to watch the Agent Perez expanded universe. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll 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 explore that in later. She episodes, also plays so. Harmony Bear in the Care Bears Big Wish movie. So you know, um. that is what we'll be reviewing on the next episode. So. Look forward to that. Um, wow. So anyway, her name is Athena Carcanis. Also, I love that she's Greek and her name is Athena. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I feel like that's not an unusual name for no, Greek people. No, it's just like the but, obvious choice. But it is, know? yeah. It is like she's obviously Greek, yeah, so yeah. she's playing Hispanic It's roles. like being a white American boy and being called Matt. But I'm... <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's just like you. Yeah. You damn stereotype. Yeah. All right. So what have you um, been watching? Because I just saw, uh, we, I hijacked the conversation for like. That's fine. That's fine. I, you had some interesting takes on the whole. And I I haven't really seen more of the extended um, like living dead universe. So it's interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Um so my goal this Halloween month, rather than like trying to power through one series, I've been trying to watch a bunch of horror movies that I keep like meaning to watch, but I'd never gotten around to. So I've, I've seen some pretty interesting stuff so far this month. Uh, I'll, I'm going to out myself right now and say that this was the first time I saw the thing. The original John Carpenter. <gasps> yes. Well, well, not, not the, original, the original, not the original. The the John, John Carpenter. Yeah. John Carpenter's was technically a it remake was. You're of right. a 1950s You're right. yeah. thing from another universe. But um it yeah, like the one that everyone considers to be the uh definitive version of the thing, the John Carpenter 1981 version, I believe. Yeah. Um so good. Holy shit. Oh my god. Uh I love this movie. It had so many 
like it was very clear other movies that have taken their influence from this. Absolutely. Like I've heard people talk about how uh, the Hateful Eight drew a lot of influence from the thing, and that is very much on display here. Um, I just I like the overall vibe of it. I mean, uh, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before. My dad actually uh, was a scientist in Antarctica for a while. Oh, cool. So it. It was very interesting for me to see like actual Antarctic base life depicted on film and then to see like how it can go wrong. <laughs> um, that was really fun. I, I love this movie so much. The atmosphere was so good. The creature effects were crazy. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, the night after I watched that, I watched The Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Nice. Which is like the absolute opposite horror film where the thing is like very restrained and very atmospheric killer clowns from outer space is all like over the top set pieces, ridiculous costumes, insane makeup and like silly kills and stuff. So much fun. Again, something that I've been meaning to see for a while and hadn't gotten around to, but it's, it's a lot of silly shit. Um, it's a great movie. I re- and by great, I mean yeah. you know, questionable. But <laughs> it's it's like the ultimate B movie, pretty much. It's yeah. like a B movie that knows exactly what it's going to be going in, and <clears throat> it's like we're going to make this as silly and over the top as possible. And I admire a film like that. Yes. Um, I rewatched Jeepers Creepers, mm. which was you know, like I said, it, it's something I've seen before, but. I felt like I wanted to see it again because, like, I remember it being so scary. And it really is. It's a good like, movie. It's amazing how, like, the early 2000s is kind of like a wasteland of, like, poorly made horror films. But Jeepers Creepers manages to really walk the line and, like, stay within the early 2000s style and still be, like, really creepy and scary. It's really quite good. Um. Um, I've been meaning to rewatch it, but I keep not being able to because of how terrible the director is. Keep it on. Yeah. I mean, that is a big problem. We definitely have to mention that the, the director is a pedophile yeah. and just a, a real all around terrible person. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like, there's lots of other movies that I like by horrible people and, uh, oh yeah, I he's not like get, I, like I don't think he like you know I'm not saying that anybody who watches it is bad. It just like really puts a foul taste in my mouth when I think about it. It is. It, it's it's hard to to watch it without like keeping that in your mind that uh, that's part of the whole thing. But you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I like Polanski films too. That's equally, if not more, problematic. But yes. you know, that's that's. It, it, there's no unproblematic way to consume art unfortunately there's right. always going to be people with shitty stuff going on that you don't know about right um but so other other films that i watched recently for the first time i saw haxan or witchcraft through the ages which is a 1922 film about the history of witchcraft and I was really blown away how great this movie was. Um, it's 
uh, it's mostly presented as like a documentary about witchcraft in the Middle Ages and like what people thought about it, why uh, the Inquisition happened and stuff like that. But also it, it includes like a lot of dramatic reenactments of like witch trials and interrogations and like what what real witches would have looked like and like they had the devil in there and stuff. Hey everyone, Future Teddy here again, and uh, that's the end of the show. Yeah, due to the audio problems that we hinted at earlier in the episode, uh, we did end up losing the rest of this show. The rest of what happened on here was just me finishing up talking about Haxan. I briefly mentioned that I'd also seen uh, the original version of The Hitcher and Scanners recently, and Matt briefly discussed watching uh, The Covenant. If anyone is really interested in hearing us talk about those, please hit us up. Uh, we'll talk about it on a future episode. There wasn't a lot more left in this one as it is. But uh, yes, the, unfortunately, that's the end of it for tonight. Um, you know, just to give you the regular spiel, you can find us on social media at BuzzedOnMovies on Twitter. Email us BuzzedOnMovies at gmail.com. Find us on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and li like us, leave us a review, uh, just let us know what you want to see on this show. And as always, we won't see you at the movies. Don't believe their lies. <laughs>